Welcome to the Marion Message presented by the Mosaic of Marion podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Well, good morning. God bless you. Great to be here in the house of the Lord. Good to be at Marion Baptist Church, one of my favorite places to be and one of my favorite pastors to be with. I have taken your pastor with me literally all over the world. We've been together in Haiti, in Brazil, in uh, where else, in Burma, in, in Malaysia, so many different places and a whole lot of miles. And thank you for allowing me to have him because he's always a blessing to me, our teams, and the people that he preaches to. And I love him dearly. And I'm just thrilled and delighted that we get to spend this time together. He also, by the way, serves on the board of directors for our ministry. And so if you don't think that I'm all that I ought to be, well, just point the finger right here, all right, at this board member. Love him dearly. Thank God for him. My dear wife, Janet, is here this morning, doesn't always get to come with me. But uh, she is here this morning, and I know that you'll take a moment to welcome her when you get a chance to see her. And let me bring you greetings this morning from brothers and sisters in Christ half a world away in a land called India. We just got back two weeks ago from serving there. The interesting thing about India is they call it the land of a million gods. India has so many different idols and temples and statues where they worship. They bow down to lifeless idols, asking for somehow blessing might come to them. And yet in that dark spiritual land, we were able to proclaim the true and living God, the light of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ, and see many of those who are from Hindu backgrounds come to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that means they are now our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. And so they bring you greetings this morning. In less than a month, uh, Hank and Mona and myself and Janet and others will be on our way back to Brazil. We would certainly appreciate your prayers for that. I was reading recently, I love the story about a gentleman who, in his retirement years, lived in a small community much like ours. And in his retirement years, he decided that he would just stay right there in that community where he had grown up. He knew most of the people who lived there. He would begin his morning pretty much the same way every day. The morning newspaper, a cup of coffee, and eventually would make his way over to the obituary column. I guess that's what you do when you retire. And so he would read the obituaries. And of course, he would recognize the names of people that he had known over the years. One morning, you can imagine his shock and surprise when he opened the obituary column and saw his own name written there, why someone had reported that he had died. Well, when he got over the shock of it, he called the editor of that small town newspaper and said, you have made a huge mistake. You put in your paper that I died. I am not dead I'm very much alive. You can imagine the editor so embarrassed by their mistake. But this is what he said. He said, look, I promise you we're going to make it right. Tomorrow, we're going to put your name in the birth column, and you'll get to start all over again. Well, listen, I cannot tell you how many times over the years people have said to me, and I know they've said to your own pastor, if there was just some way we could start over, if there was just some way 
to turn back the clock, if there was just some way to get a clean slate and a new heart, well, listen, we can't turn back the clock, but thank God there is a new beginning and a new heart and a changed life when we come by faith to our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says it this way, if any man is in Christ, he is a, a new creation. Old things have... Y'all do know your Bible, don't you? They have passed away, and all things are becoming new. And that's the life that we have in Jesus Christ. And I realize that most of us here today have already made that decision, already turned from our sins and put our faith in the Lord Jesus. But listen, maybe someone, maybe several here today, and you've not yet made that decision. Our heart cry to God for you today is that this will be the day that you turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, the only one who can give you a clean slate and a new heart and a new beginning. And it's all found in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our prayer for you today. Well, listen, my assignment is to get us to the Word of God. And so if you have your Bibles, let me call your attention this morning to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's that passage we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9, and we'll read down through verse 13. Now, if you are physically able, I believe the Bible's worth standing for. It is the eternal Word of our living God, and so if it's not a challenge... Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's inspired, ever-living. This, ladies and gentlemen, is God's holy word. Thought I might get an amen in the house. This is God's holy word. And this is what the Bible says. Verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That last word, amen. Hey, let's take a minute and pray together, shall we? And then you can be seated. Father, how I bless you for this church and for our pastor and what they mean in my life, in my family, and in our ministry. Now, Lord, I pray that you would speak from your word to every heart. For someone here today who's never met our Lord Jesus, that today will be the day that they turn from their sins and put their faith in what you did on the cross and your glorious resurrection. Save that soul today. Lord, I pray you'd stir the hearts of the saints of God, that you'd revive your church, and Lord, most of all, glory and honor and praise go to the only one who's worthy, and that, ours, that is our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, and for his sake, and the people of God said, amen and amen. God bless you. Be seated. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but more accurately, it is the disciples' prayer, for in this passage of Scripture, our Lord is going to teach us 
how to pray. Now, there's so much in this passage I cannot even begin to deal with today, but we're just going to stop at that very first opening statement. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A little girl was trying to pray that prayer, and it came out something like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, how did you know my name? Well, maybe she didn't get the words exactly right, but I tell you, she had the meaning right because he does know your name. He knows every detail, every issue, every circumstance in your life. And listen, the one who knows you best is the one who loves you most. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And in this passage of scripture, I want to just hang some thoughts around a few words. The first word I want to share with you is the word intimacy. Because in that passage of scripture, you find that the God of heaven, the creator of all of the universe, is inviting us into an intimate relationship with him. When he invites us, hear me, he invites us to call him father. Do you understand that no Old Testament Jew would have ever considered calling the God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, would never think about calling him Father, why they would call him Yahweh, they would call him Elohim, they would call him Adonai, they would call him Lord, but they would never dream of calling him Father. He was too holy, he was too removed, he was too far away, but here is the God of heaven saying, you get to call me not just Yahweh, not just Lord, not just King, though he is. But you can call, hear me, you can call him Father. This intimate relationship with the Holy God, and he invites us to call him Father. But hear me clearly, we do not get to call him Father until we have first called Jesus Christ Savior and Lord, because it is through His shed blood, it is through His death on the cross, it is through His glorious resurrection that our relationship with God is restored. So we can say, Abba, Father. Do you have that kind of relationship with God today when you come to Him in prayer? Do you have the assurance that you can call Him not just Lord, not just God? And as I've heard so many people refer to over the years, oh, He's the man upstairs. Oh, no. He is so much more than that. He is holy God. But He invites us to call Him Father. This intimate relationship. And the truth is, we were all created for that. We, every one of us, know in the depths of our own heart that until we call him Father by a relationship with Jesus Christ, that something vital is missing. A few uh, months ago, I was at the gym and I met a young man by the name of Raj, R-A-J. Raj is a student from India. He's been living here in the U.S. now for over a year, 23 years of age, no family here. And in the year he's been here, he's made very few friends. And I tell you, he's very, very lonely. We struck up a friendship with him. Thanksgiving, knowing that he was going to be all alone, we invited him to our home for Thanksgiving meal. All of our family, 30-some people gathered around the table. Maybe it was 40, babe, wasn't it? Anyway, my wife's saying, yeah, it was a whole lot more than that. And all gathered together just celebrating Thanksgiving, and we invited Raj into our family. Raj 
raised in a Hindu family, but experiencing what it means to be a part of a Christian family. On several occasions, we've taken him to church with us. He's been involved in some other family gatherings. But here's the thing about Raj. The other day, he sent me a text and he said, you know, I've been so lonely here in America, missing my own family. He said, would it be all right if you became my American father? You see, something inside yearns for father. And that's why we can look heavenward and say, yes, you're Lord. Yes, you're God. But can I call you father? By faith in the Lord Jesus. You understand the intimacy that God wants to have with you? The relationship that God is calling you to? So that you can call him father. That's intimacy. But do you know, there's also in that passage of scripture, family. That's the second word, family. You say, where do you see that? What did our Lord Jesus teach us to pray? He didn't just say, pray my father. Oh no, he said, our father. You see, that involves family. You see, yes, personally, he's my father. But as the family of God, he is our father. And when we worship, when we gather together, do you understand? We are family, family of God. And by the way, every time someone bows the knee before a holy God and places faith in Jesus Christ, well, the family of God just grew a little larger. Amen. You know, my prayer today is that someone here today will be added to the family. Amen. By faith in Jesus Christ turning from sin, putting your trust in Him, and becoming a part of family. Now, many of you know our story. You know my wife and I have a large family, five children, 25 grandchildren. You know, I love to say that in churches where I've never been before, people who don't know our story, because when I say that, there's a united (gasps) gasp in the congregation. Well, you all didn't gasp because you already know our story. But when our family gets together, listen, we, with all of us together, there may be a number of different opinions on any particular subject. We don't, just because we're in the same family, doesn't mean that we always agree on everything, especially if it comes to politics. Hello. Don't even bring that up at the table. But I tell you this about our family. There may be times that we have differences of opinion. There may be times that we don't even see eye to eye on every issue. But let me tell you about this family. This family loves each other. This family welcomes each other with open arms. And when one is going through the valley and going through some struggle or some great difficulty, the rest of the family comes together. We stand together because we are family. Do you understand? That's what the church of Jesus Christ is. Family of God. That's who we are. Family. He's not just my father. He's not just your father. Thank God he's our father. Amen. He's ours. He unites us. He makes us one. 
I've had the privilege to preach in over 50 countries around the world, and I promise you, I can go to a country where I don't know the culture, I don't know the language, I don't know the background, and I can be a complete stranger. But you put me in the church, put me among God's people, and I suddenly find myself right at home because we're family. He taught us to pray, not just my father. He taught us to pray our father, united together in Jesus Christ. So the first word is intimacy. The second word is family. But there's a third thought in that passage of Scripture. It's the, it's the word doxology. Now, listen, if you are like me and you have grown up in church most of your life, you know that in our hymnals, most of our hymnals, have a hymn called, uh, you do know it, the doxology. It goes something like this. Praise God from whom, y'all know that one? Y'all remember? This means yes in Marian, all right? Yeah. We, yep, yep. Maybe we don't sing it often, but we remember it. Doxology. You see, that word has a meaning. It's not just a song we sing. It's a posture that we take. It means worship and praise and glory and adoration to the name which is above every other name. That is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell people everywhere I preach, the Bible says that there's coming a day when every knee will bow before Jesus Christ and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. Now, I tell people you can bow now or you can bow later, but make no mistake about it. Every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord, the name above every name. My prayer is that if you've never yet bowed, that you'll do that today. If you've never yet confessed, that today will be the day that you throw open the door of your heart and confess with your own lips, Jesus, you are Lord. Be Lord in me. Doxology. Worship, praise, adoration. We're focusing on who he is and all that he's done. Do you have any reason at all to praise God today? Listen, if you're a child of God, may I just suggest to you some things you can praise him for. You can praise him. You're on your way to heaven and not on your way to hell. Hello. By faith in Jesus Christ, your eternal destination was changed. Can we praise him for that? What about the sin and the shame and the guilt that you carried until the day you ran to the cross? Can we praise him that the guilt is removed and the shame is gone and the sins have been forgiven? Can we praise him for that? Can we praise him that even when we walk through the darkest days of our lives, he has said to us, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Can we praise him for that verse that says, and if God is for us, who can be against us? So that's doxology. When I was a young pastor, just getting started in ministry, our church, the, church, the only church I ever pastored, 
our church had a habit of singing that hymn called the doxology after the offering was taken. Maybe you've done that here before. It's kind of a tradition among a number of churches. It was just a part of our tradition. But as a young pastor wanting to push our church a little bit further into future ministry and becoming a little more contemporary, one Sunday I decided, Brother Hank, that we would not sing the doxology. Forgive me. Forgive me. That Sunday... The offering was taken, and we did not stand and sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We didn't do it. When the service was over, this dear saint of God, hello, made her way straight to her young preacher. And with a look of shock and dismay in her eyes, she said, preacher, did you know we forgot to sing toxology? Well, the truth is, we did not sing the hymn called doxology, but I promise you that service was full of doxology. We were giving praise and honor and glory to the one who saved us, wrote our names in the book of life, cleansed our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we gave him praise. Yeah, we gave him some doxology. That's what we've been doing here this morning giving him some praise because he deserves it all. Amen. Amen. It's all for him. That's why we meet. That's why we gather. That's why we worship to give him doxology, praise. Holy, he says, is your name. Our father, it's intimacy. It's family who art in heaven. Holy is your name. It's doxology. One final thought. It's eternity. Did you see that in that passage? Think about it again. He's teaching us to pray, Our Father, and where is He? Our Father who art in, well, there it is, heaven. You see, He's reminding us of that which is eternal. Heaven. Eternity. The truth is, there are times in our own lives when we need to take stock of what we are really living for and investing in. Most of the things we spend our time, effort, and energy on, hear me, those things are temporary. Now, I, I, I'm not, that's not a criticism, all right? There are things that we have to do to live day by day. We, we got to pay some bills, all right? We have to have a roof over our, ha- our heads. We do have to have some food to eat. And we do have to have some transportation. And we do have to have something to wear. And we should be putting something aside for the future, for our family. Listen, all of that, all of that necessary. But do you know the truth is? One day the house I live in will not be mine anymore. The suit of clothes... One day it's going to wear out and be moth-eaten. The bank account, (laughs) well, bless God, one day it'll be empty, all right? And the things that we spend so much effort and energy and time and focus on is what the Bible calls temporary. It is passing away. 
A hundred years from now, nobody's going to care what suit I wore today. Nobody's even going to think about what vehicle that I drove. Nobody will care what I had for lunch. But a hundred years from now, what you and I invested in the kingdom of God, that's going to be eternal. Amen. Amen. That's going to be eternal. You think about it. There really are only a few things that are eternal. When you through the word of God study his truth, there really are just a few things that are eternal. This book, the B-I-B-L-E, this book is the eternal word of the living God. And Jesus said it this way. He said, one day, heaven and earth will all pass away. That's the temporary. It's all going to pass away. But then he made this statement. He said, but my word never, never pass away. It's eternal. So if, if I'm going to invest my life in what's eternal, then bless your heart, I better be spending some time in the book. Amen. That which is eternal, the Word of God. Uh, think about where we are today. I don't mean just the building. Uh, hey, listen, I, I'm thrilled that God has given you this wonderful building to meet. Do you all remember that little building right next door? I remember preaching revival years ago and night after night, crammed together in that little building. We were going, praise the Lord. Praise. I mean, you couldn't even stretch your arms out. You were just bottlenecked in that little place. And I kept saying to Pastor Hank and to this congregation, you need a bigger building. You need a bigger building. And now look what God, look what God has given you. Hello! This beautiful place to worship. But we know that this building, not the church, this is where we get to gather as the church. That's eternal. Jesus said it this way. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The word of God is eternal. The church of Jesus Christ is eternal. That's why you ought to be a part of the church. Now listen, if you live in this area, you ought to be right here. A part linked with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gathering together to give him worship and praise. To send out missionaries all over the world. And take the gospel to the far reaches of the planet. You know what else is eternal? Not only the word of God. Not only the church of the Lord Jesus. But the souls of men. Your soul. My soul. Every person who has ever lived has an eternal soul. They now tell us that there are 8 billion people who live on this planet. That means there are 8 billion souls who are alive right now. 8 billion souls who will spend eternity somewhere, either in a place called heaven where our Lord dwells and rules and reigns and where the saints of God spend there forever. But there is another destination for those who refuse the love of God and spurn Jesus Christ and die in their sins. Their soul lives forever. 
but forever separated from him in a place called hell. And dear one, understand that it was never God's intention or his plan. Amen. You, dear friend, have an eternal soul. So let me ask you this. How is it with your soul? You know, we, we especially as we get older, we, we get concerned about our health. We go to the doctor for the checkup. How is the, how's the heart doing, doc? How's the cholesterol? How is this? How is that? How is this body functioning? But we need to be asking this question. How is it in my soul? How is it between me and my Lord? Do I know with absolute confidence and conviction that I am forgiven, that I am a child of God, that I have been to Jesus Christ and received His love and His mercy and His forgiveness? Do I know that? Do you know that? Is there that deep abiding assurance that it's all right with your soul? We sing that song. It is well. It is well with my soul. It may not be well with my circumstances. It may not be well with my finances. It may not be well in all of my relationships. But because I know Him, it's well. Amen? It's well with my soul. It's well with my eternity. Can, can you say that with confidence this morning? It's well. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. The shame, the sin, the guilt, all been removed. Not because of anything I've done, but because of everything He's done. Amen. Amen. On a cross, for you, for me, and for 8 billion people who live on this planet. Amen. How is it? How is it? with your soul. George Truitt was the famous pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas years ago. There was a wealthy businessman who one day said to Dr. Truitt, I would like to take you for a ride. He picked up Dr. Truitt, drove him through the Dallas skyline, and this wealthy businessman pointed out some of his ownings. He said, Dr. Truitt, you see that Beautiful office building over there. He said, that office building is mine. I own that. And all those people, they all work for me. Later that day, he drove Dr. Truett out into the Dallas countryside where the wells were pumping out oil. He said, Dr. Truett, you see that field of oil wells? He said, they all belong to me. And all that well and all of that oil, that's all mine. Dr. Truett thought for a moment and he pointed heavenward and he said, Sir, let me ask you, how much do you own there? You own so much here. How much you got laid up there? Folks, hear me. A hundred years from right now, that's all that's going to matter. 
How much have I laid up there? Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.